right, welcome back to the big program. Thanks for all your texts and comments. one 1440 Time to welcome in the big shooter, the big hummer. <laughs> Schlemdog millionaire. <laughs> Schlemdog millionaire. I still can't believe that nickname didn't stick. Uh, uh, David Schlemko, our Wednesday co-host, uh, every Wednesday from 9 to 11, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out CougarCollision.com. Morning, Schlemmer. Or, or, again, the Schlemdog millionaire. I still can't believe that didn't stick. It's, it's, it's stuck a, with the Phoenix guys. It's long. But, uh, it's a long yeah, name. it's a little long. It's a little long. Schlemmer well, works. It does. Yeah. I'm doing well, though, Kev. <laughs> Glad to be here. How are you? Oh, second best day of my life, baby. <laughs> And the first one <laughs> hasn't is. happened yet. Hey, <laughs> finally got to use that one. Uh, anyway, I've been using that one for a long time. You say that all the time when guests ask you, like when you're when we mm-hmm. get people on, and nobody ever asks you what was the first. <laughs> day. That is literally the first time that anybody has ever asked you. Because we're looking eye to eye, you know, when you're when you don't have that presence in the studio, Duke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. Um, so, uh, be the day you got the day you got married. That was your the best day of your life, right? Yeah. Tiger says, uh, "Big Hummer, you must have been a fastball player." Yes, that's that was one of the big when you were chatting. We had you when you played ball. The chatter was a big thing when you were a young kid. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Had a hum, had a babe, had a babe, had a babe. Yeah. What did you think of the game last night? Loved it. Wasn't it good? Great game. If you're an Oiler fan, starting to look like a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Big comeback. Stayed patient. Didn't give anything up. And you know, uh, that looks good. That's a good way to win a hockey game. That's a good sign for the Oil. What about the start? Like, I mean, I guess Toronto, the way the Leafs had been going and are still going, you knew that they would come out really, really hard. And then, so... The Matthews line, so, you know, they pencil the Matthews line in. And as if you're if you're the head coach of the Oilers, Chris Knobloch, you go, well, okay, I'm going to match up McDavid right off the hop here. I got no problems with that, and no yeah. one does. But they he didn't really match up the rest of the game, tried to get away from that All right. for the most part. I mean, you saw a lot of Leon Dreisaitl against yeah. the uh, Matthews line. A little so, heavier. Little bit, yeah. Yeah, you know, Leon's got a little more edge to him. And it gets Connors away, you know. Yeah, you know, gives so. him a little bit of room out there. But just that first, you know, 27 seconds, holy smokes. The first five minutes, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, I mean, I think you got to expect them to come out hard. They've they've blown leads. Would they? I think they lost two or three in a row coming in. So you knew they are going to come out hard. Um, I, ben, don't break, I guess you could say. I mean, they gave up one in the first shift there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Bouchard, I mean, he was kind of with them the whole time and just lost them right at the end there. You so, know, one second against yeah. the line like that and bang, it's in the back of your net. <laughs> so that first goal again, so, you know, Austin Matthews swoops in across the blue line and then hands off to, to Marner and does a bit, a bit of a switch. Now, when, when Matthews circles up high, I'm sure Zach Hyman looked at him too and went, uh-oh, you know, he's coming in with speed, but I'm, you know, and Hyman's, head he's going that's Bouchard's guy he's got to worry about this guy because I got to stay on my point yeah I think so I mean Bouchard he'd already followed him into the corner followed him all the way up the wall to the cycle come with him to the middle and then he finally drops the puck to Marner all he's got to do is stay within a stick length there right and you can see he's coming back to the front of the net and he starts kind of pointing around maybe he's pointing at Hyman to take him but Mm -hmm. all he's doing is going back to the crease and taking nobody and bang it's in the back of your net so great pass too Great pass. And I mean, 
I, I hate to keep hating on Evan Bouchard because he's so good offensively, yeah. and you know he, he has been a lot better. But come playoff time, I mean, that's a reason why I think you bring in another defenseman. You mm-hmm. you don't want him playing against an Austin Matthews, and you get to the final four. Let's say every team's going to have a top six with players like that. I think it'd be smart to get somebody that maybe can hide him a little bit playing those high-end offensive teams. Uh, text from Otwell Okotoks Euler on the subject of uh, Evan Bouchard. Love the draw weight on the Bouchard empty net goal. Uh, that looked was like, nice. <laughs> looked like a young Heck Gervais. Uh, that one, uh, the Bouch feather. That was nice. And the thing is, he's trying to avoid the icing. It probably would have been icing had it, yeah. been, had it been not on net. So well, Riley, yeah, I mean, he almost got there. It would have been close. You know what's funny, <laughs> Riley? If you look at it, he's, he's going... Um, I'm. I'm not. He wasn't at full speed at the very start. Yeah. I think if he busts his ass right from you know the Oilers blue line, he probably gets. It. He probably catches up, up there. To yeah. Just didn't want to crash into the net at the end. <laughs> yeah. At that point, yeah. Well, I, well, again, what do you make of the Leafs' defense? I mean, Morgan Riley's their best defenseman by far. It's not even close, and that's on every night. Like, I mean, there aren't any nights when someone is going to play ahead of Morgan Riley. No, I don't think there's any nights yeah. when that's going to happen. And I mean, I don't think there's any nights it should. He's a mm-hmm. he's an elite defenseman. But what it, I'm saying is, like, okay, it falls on, off a lot on, after that. On an Oiler night, Matthias Ekholm can be the best defenseman. On another night, Bouchard can be the best defenseman. Nurse mm-hmm. can be the best defenseman. We've seen Kulak and DeHarnay be a great pair. Cody Cece's had his moments. Yeah, which on, I mean, on, it shouldn't happen when you pay one D man nine two five. Right. But, well, but. I mean, seven and a half for for Riley. Sure. Okay. So, but what I'm saying is, okay, TJ Brody. Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll give you sometimes, but there's such a massive drop off in Toronto. I agree. Yeah. I think I, I like Broads. So I think he's yeah biased. He's a former teammate of mine. I played mm-hmm. with him, but uh, I think he still skates really well and moves the puck well. I think after that, it, it does fall off a bit. I think that Timothy Lilgren, I think is the yeah, same. He, younger guy. He's developed into a pretty good defenseman. Um, after that, it does drop off. I mean, Gio's not getting any younger. I think he's the, old, I think he's the oldest guy in the league now. He's still mucking and grinding and battling, but he's it, it does, hard. Dro- it he's does drop hard, off. Yeah. And, I mean, if he wasn't in such fantastic condition, I mean, I, there's no way he's playing at 40 right now. Right. But he again, he's hanging in there. Yeah, loves but it. on another team, does is he even is he playing? I don't know a third of the games. I I don't know. He, he's a good depth defender to have, and he's a good veteran guy to have in the room. So I see why they they want to have him there. Mm-hmm. Stu Skinner last night made several key key saves. He gives up that first one, but then really shuts the door. It should have been two nothing again on the Bertuzzi really quick defection. That, and Skinner had no chance on that one either. No, but that should have you know he's got a if, that's an inch in that's a, it's a two nothing game. But after that, I mean, unbelievable save on Holmgren, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Holmes, uh, sorry Holmberg uh, on the one timer pass from Matthews across oh. the slot just gets was that ever on. nice yeah. Yeah, and and that beautiful. was if you look at that, I mean, there were there were a lot of giveaways last night, like tons. But the, yeah. that, it's going to happen when you got this high this high end talent. Yeah, I was going to say when the yeah. game's moving that fast, both teams are flying. So uh, there's going to be turnovers. There's going to be transition chances. But I thought the I thought the Oilers did a decent job in limiting mm-hmm. that. Honestly, against a team like the Maple Leafs, yeah, uh, I uh, I thought they did a pretty good job, especially uh, the Domi line. I mean, their third line that's been their best line lately. <laughs> They've been. Absolutely buzzing. And, uh, you know, I thought our 
depth forwards or depth D did a really good job against that line. What about this angle? Uh, we're with David Schlemko on Sports 1440, and I touched on this off the top and then one other time with, with uh, Spec. Did you f- see this more so than any other games where, where both teams had um, like extended numerous times extended offensive zone pressure like for 30 40 50 seconds both teams and like it wasn't just one team doing it it happened to both sides more so than we probably seen in a lot of games this year yeah i would agree with that yeah. statement for yeah. sure i think uh when you look at mcdavid and dry lines they always get those you know those extended shifts where they got all five guys activating they're oh. buzzing around in the ozone and I think uh, Toronto's high-end talent does the same thing, especially the Matthews-Marner line. Uh, they can really hem you in. They spread you out. They seam you and get you really running around. David Schlemko with us on Sports 1440 for Cougar Paint and Collision. Were you ever on a run where a team, like, obviously not in the NHL, but 11 wins in a row, like like something like this? Yeah, I was hurt for it, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the run. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. There you go. Where was that at? I was in Phoenix. I think it was the year we went to the conference finals, 2012. I, I think we went a whole month without losing in February or something like that. It was it was. So you had, it was you know, obviously awesome Dave run. Tippett had everything kind of. Yeah. And Smitty was in goal. And Smitty was locking it down. Donor, everyone was. Here. Yeah, where are those? But you, what, what were you injured or what was going on? Yeah, I had uh, sliced a tendon in my foot. Oh, just skate, skate early in the area. Yeah, I had surgery, so that was a tough one. Um, how how did that happen? Just to uh, like in- it was actually my own skate in wow. a game. I uh, on the power play, I tried to jump up against the boards to keep a puck in on mm-hmm. a rim, and came down, and my left foot just landed across the top of my right foot and. S- Slice the tendon right through the tongue and everything. So right on the top? Right on wow. the top of the boot. So I was thinking, like, I thought maybe you were, the way you were describing was more with back heel or something. No, it was right on top. Oh. Yeah. So how did, like, you knew right away something was wrong or what? Or I didn't, actually. Like, I stayed on the ice. Yeah. And then it, it felt kind of, like, hot. Like, it was getting kind of, like, burny in my foot. And so I, I changed, and I was like, this feels weird. Maybe I'm cut. And Well, did your laces, like, everything stay... Like how did that? Well, it, there was no blood or anything yeah. yet, right? It's a thick, it's yeah. a thick tongue, right? So you couldn't really tell. And then I uh, went back into the room and took the skate and the sock off. And there's mm-hmm. blood everywhere, and my toe was my big toe was just hanging there. I couldn't lift it, so the tendon was gone. So it was right between <laughs> the the cap of the toe and like where the tongue of the skate is, or yeah, like right, right there. Okay, right. so but none of the skate lace was ever cut or anything like that. That you couldn't feel your. You know, you're I can't remember if the lace was cut. I just, oh. yeah, it was a freak injury. But, um, yeah, I missed, so the, then you I missed had... a good streak. <laughs> <laughs> now we know why they went on a streak like that. No, just kidding, Schlammer. But in the sense of uh, recovery, like, so you had to have stitches, obviously. Uh, they stitched me up right away. Yeah. And then you go to the hospital and get a MRI. And then they say the tendon's gone, so then they got to rip out the stitches, and then you got to have surgery and mm. tie the tendon back together, and wear boots and rehab and all that fun and, stuff. And then, of course, you like even the healing process. How long? Like that's a tendon that takes; it has to grow back together. I assume. Yeah, it was months. I think I did it in February or yeah. January, and uh, came back in playoffs that year. But I think I only played five games in a run that year. It was still. Not 100%. Hmm. Uh, Texter writes in, uh, 
Let me have a look at it here again. Uh, this is from Sean. How old is TJ Brody as we were talking about it? Because as you said, you played together with him in uh, Phoenix for a little bit. He is a 90. He's he, 33. Yeah, I feel like he's been in the league forever. And yes, TJ Brody is a 90. He's 33 years old. And he's in the final year of his $5 million deal with the Leafs. So, and I, I, unless he's taking some sort of a, a discount salary next year, he was in Calgary for a long time too. Yep. I, I, I don't know where they find room for him next year. I mean, yeah, he, he's he would have, have to take a big pay cut. I would half. Think. I mean, you know, because yeah. you're, you're seeing Matthews gets the bump up, and and then uh, Nylander gets the big bump up in Toronto. So. That's kind of what you're going to have to have if you're going to make it work in Toronto. You're going to need some of those hometown guys to yeah. take some discounts to pay all those big thugs. Well, I mean, Giordano did it for yeah. several years now. He's at 800000 a year. And, but, I mean, their their back end is just not good enough. No. Yeah. What else caught your eye from last night's game with the Oilers is in the sense of, you know, hanging in there again and – Speck's been talking about it. They, it a 7-5 game or a six, everyone expected a 6-4, six, 6, and it could have been. It yeah, could have been a 6-5 game last night. Yeah. But they just sort of are, are patient and, and are willing to kind of play any game right now. Yeah, that's the word that's, that jumps out to me is just their patience. I mean, I think you look back to the start of the year, you can see them getting so frustrated when the offense isn't coming and forcing it and turning pucks over at the blue line and they're just not doing those things now, you know. They're being patient. They're playing the right way. They're getting pucks in, and they're grinding out, like you said, 30, 40, 50-second ozone shifts mm-hmm. and getting pucks to the net, looking for second opportunities. They're starting to look like a much more mature hockey team out there. Did you get a chance to watch any NFL on the weekend? Yes, I did catch a little bit. And what did you think? I thought... You're just happy a Dallas loser? No, you're not yeah, Dallas, that, yeah. That was pretty amusing to me, yeah. That was... <laughs> Isn't everyone? I just like the videos online of like the Cowboys fans punching out their TVs. It's just amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to talk to uh, Cordell Woodland, 105.7, the fan in Baltimore. So the Ravens are up against the Dukes, Houston Texans this weekend. And again, early Saturday game, Duke, like that's the first one out of the hopper. Maybe this is a good luck charm for. Could well, yeah, that's, that's where the Texans live at that uh, that early afternoon spot. Come uh, <laughs> the, gar- the garbage slot, the garbage <laughs> slot of uh, their very few and brief playoff appearances over the years. So, uh, yeah, that's where they live. That's certainly where they should be most comfortable. And uh, let's see if they can uh, pull off another uh, little pleasant surprise come Saturday afternoon. All right, beauty. We'll uh, check in with uh, Cordell Woodland, one hundred five point seven, the fan. When we come back, Kevin Carey's David Schlemko on Sports fourteen forty. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. NFL playoffs continue this weekend. Leading things off, Baltimore home to Houston. And here to talk about it is Cordell Woodland from 105.7, the fan in Baltimore. Uh, Cordell, you're with Kevin Carries and former NHLer David Schlemko. Welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for coming on this morning. Thanks for having me. You know, uh, this is setting up pretty nicely for Baltimore. You know, the Ravens' favorite, as everyone knows, quite heavily going into this game. But I'm sure the feeling in Baltimore within the close proximity of the team is that they can't take these Texans lightly because of what they saw against Cleveland uh, last weekend. Yeah, and honestly, I think even beyond that, uh, the Texans are a legit team. This This is an offense that you have to worry about. They do a really good job spacing you out and I mean you saw in the divisional game I mean in the wild card game against uh, Cleveland 
they have guys running wide open. I mean, it. I, I like to compare it to a college-style offense. You don't really see uh, receivers running wide open as often as you do for the Texans at this level. You see it a lot more in college. They do a really good job of using every blade of grass and stretching the defense out. And I think that's what Bobby Slowick, offensive coordinator for the Texans, he does a really good job at doing. And the Ravens defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, I think he's the best defensive coordinator in the league. But I think, you know, this Texans offense led by Bobby Slowick, I think they'll uh, give these guys a nice run for their money. Cordell Woodland is our guest on Sports 1440. I'm sure you saw this uh, comment from uh, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh after the Ravens beat the Texans four months ago, 25-9, said Coach Harbaugh, really proud of the guys, proud of the win, but I've said this Houston team is good and uh, they're going to win a lot of football games this year. Mark it down, you'll see that's a good young football team. So Harbaugh's right. This Texans team has a lot of young players and they have to be aware of that as a defense in uh, Baltimore. What are the keys you think will be to stop and slow down what C.J. Stroud and this Houston uh, Texans offense offers? Well, number one, it starts up front. You know, the Ravens, uh, led by defensive tackle Justin Matabike, uh, pro bowler Justin Matabike, I should say, um, they get after the quarterback, and no quarterback likes to get hit, and no quarterback likes pressure up the middle. And that's what the Ravens do a really good job of. And I mentioned Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator. He has had every offensive coordinator's number that they have faced this year. I've, I, so many times, I mean, against teams like uh, Detroit, teams like Seattle, um, teams like the Texans in week one. Uh, granted, that was a long time ago. Both teams are different right now, but they just do a good job of giving offensive coordinators a lot to think about. I think pre-snap, they, they uh, make, it, make everything look the same, and then after the ball is snapped, everything looks different. So the pressure will be important, and I think limiting the big plays, the Texans offense, as you saw against Cleveland, they, they get a lot of big plays. Now, on the flip side, this Ravens defense has been great at stopping those big plays. So I think that'll be a a big key in this game as well. And even one more on the other side, um, Lamar Jackson and that offense taking care of the football. Lamar had a rough game against the Texans in week one, had an interception, had a – he was sacked four times in the game as well, had two fumbles and lost one of them. So this Texans defense, as you saw again on Saturday, the back-to-back pick sixes, they do a really good job of getting those takeaways. The Ravens offense has been good lately at taking care of the ball. That'll be important again on Saturday. Hmm. Thanks, Cordell. Yeah, we know the the Ravens D is right up there, probably best in the league. Um, Houston's got a great passing game. Um, I mean, you kind of almost answered my question there, but do you think Lamar Jackson maybe is going to be the difference in this game, kind of his performance? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the case every week, to be honest with you. Lamar is that kind of player. He is um, dynamic. He's explosive. He is arguably the best player in football right now, the way that he's been playing, especially to finish the season. Um, I think he's on his way to winning a second MVP, and uh, I, I think as he goes, the Ravens go. So, you know, everybody wants to bring up Lamar's postseason record, 1-3 and three and stuff like that, but – um, I, I think Lamar is in store for a pretty big day on Saturday. Cordell Woodland, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Uh, Cordell, what's the situation with tight end Mark Andrews, and how do you think Isaiah likely has played when Andrews has been out here? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, well, first with Mark Andrews, uh, I think he's progressing well. He took a pretty big jump, in my opinion, from when we first saw him get back on the practice field on Friday morning. Um, very light situation, not really doing a lot of movement, uh, maybe five-yard radius, uh, at not even half speed. So uh, from going from that to what I saw yesterday at practice where, you know, he's not only doing – uh, workouts with individual workouts with the tight ends, but he's also now progressed to now catching passes and running routes uh, and with the quarterback. So he looked good. He looked explosive. He definitely picked up the pace yesterday, made a nice leaping catch as well. So um, he looks good. Mark's a hard worker, so I'm not surprised to see him really working his way back the way he is. Um, I don't know if he plays Saturday. My gut is telling me he doesn't, but we'll see. Um, but in terms of Isaiah Likely, he's been everything and more for them. I mean, I, I think he's kind of the unsung hero of this offense because when Mark went down, mind you, remember they lost J.K. Dobbins as starting running back week one against the Texans. Um, so they had to lose Dobbins and then to lose Mark, and they're already dealing with offensive line injury issues as well. That that was huge for Likely to come in and kind of pick up the pace for this offense. And he's an explosive guy too. He makes big plays. He's great after the catch. He has great – route running and he and Lamar seem to be on the same page right now. Hey Cordell, when you did mention about uh, J.K. Dobbins going down in in week number one Gus Edwards has just been having a great year and Justice Hill too uh, out of OK State so what have those two backs uh, offered I guess as a kind of a one-two punch and Melvin Gordon's come in here a little bit too but uh, what what can you say about the uh, Ravens backfield? Yeah, I mean, and, and they, they signed Dalvin Cook uh, yeah. last week, you know, who was let go by the Jets on the back end of the season. Um, a lot of people, a lot of fans, I should say, are very excited about Dalvin Cook and what he could bring to this offense. We'll see. I, I, my expectations are low because of how late he's joining this team. Um, but you mentioned the two guys that have kind of been the workhorses for these guys uh, with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. And Keaton Mitchell going down, you know, another running pack that was mm-hmm. great for them. Uh, they lose him and Gus and and Justice. They just keep the ball rolling. Gus has been a been great on in goal line situations, short yardage situations, and Justice has been important because he's he's a good blocker on third downs. But like I mentioned, Keaton Mitchell going down was was a big loss for them because of his speed and his game breaking ability. He was a game changer for them out of the backfield. So Justice has kind of picked up that lightning role, so to speak. He's the kind of quick guy, the shifty guy out of the two, and he's the pass catcher as well. We've seen him make a couple of plays on some of those well routes. So uh, both of those guys complement each other well. And like I always say, as long as number eight is out there, the Ravens (laughs) will always find a way to run the ball. Yeah, isn't that the case? Uh, Cordell Woodland, uh, 105.7, the fan, covers the Baltimore Ravens. Our guest, Kevin Carries, David Schlemko on Sports 1440, 928 in Edmonton. How has uh, Zay Flowers looked uh, with the bye week? Is he going to be okay to, to play on Saturday? Yeah, it's, uh, yesterday was a step in the right direction. He did return back to the practice field yesterday. He did miss all of last week, which, but which is the benefit of the bye week, right? You know, you give guys an opportunity uh, to rest up and not have to be on their feet, or in this case for him, uh, definitely because he's dealing with that calf issue. But yesterday he looked pretty good when I saw him running routes, and he did, you know, he was limited on the on the injury report. We'll see how the week progresses. Um, but yesterday was definitely a step in the right direction. If I'm betting, I would say he's going to be on the field for sure. 
How would you say the rest of the receiving core has looked this year? How would you rate them? You know, it's it's been an up and down year for the receivers. Um, I think Zay has been great for them. I, I think Zay leaves uh, you know leaves you wanting more. I, I think that they could definitely do more than what they've done with Zay. But he's definitely to finish the year. I would say the last five or six games, he really started to come into his own, and 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 I thought he matured a lot. Um, from what I saw from him earlier in the year, where he was still very good, um, Odell Beckham. It's been a roller coaster type of year for him. Not necessarily uh, statistically a great year for him, probably, but he's had good spurts. And I think this is the time of year that they signed Odell Beckham for. But one, they signed him in the off season to kind of help bring Lamar back long term and check box on that. And then now you, you bring him to to hope that he can help you in the playoffs, and we'll see if that happens. And Bateman, I think Bateman's the guy to watch out for. Bateman has had an underwhelming season. Um, He and Lamar have struggled to consistently be on the same page, but Bateman has shown some flashes on the back end of the season, so he's the one that I will watch out for to kind of uh, slip through the cracks, so to speak, because of all the attention that guys like Likely, Flowers, and Beckham may get. And I also want to mention Nelson Aguilar because he's, he's been really good for them when he's gotten opportunities. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Cordell. Um, what about on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, who are we watching out for for the Ravens to be a difference maker this weekend? Uh, probably the usual suspects. I mean, I mentioned Justin Matabike earlier getting pressure up the middle. Um, I, I think that's that's a guy that, you know, when he's having a good day is usually successful. The Ravens, uh, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen on that second level, um, they've got to be dogs. They've got to go out there and, and hunt, like they say. And um, they, they're tackling machines. Patrick Queen, I think, has done a really good job covering backs out of the backfield. Dalton Schultz will be one to watch um, for, the, for the Texans at tight end. So I, I like that matchup with he and Patrick Queen. That'll be fun. And, of course, Kyle Hamilton on the back end, he, he's kind of that unicorn. I equate him to being the defensive version of Lamar Jackson for the Ravens because of he, he's mm-hmm. kind of a one-of-one type of safety. So if, if I expect all those guys to, to make their usual impacts. And um, I, I, the Ravens' defense has been great all year, and I, I think they'll have a solid day on Saturday, even though they will be tested at points. Hey, Cordell, I know you uh, cover the Ravens right now and you got your hands full with the Ravens, but uh, you also cover the Baltimore Orioles and we're not you're only like a month and some away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, a lot of the Orioles signed uh, one-year contracts to avoid arbitration. That's kind of how it goes at this time of the year, but is that how you saw things shake down with uh, what uh, management had to do to keep these guys uh, in an Oriole uniform? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at some of those guys that – that signed uh, that that got deals done. Guys like Cedric Mullins, guys like uh, uh, Ryan Mountcastle and uh, Anthony Santander. You know, these, these are these are guys that are were pivotal uh, aspects of their team this year. And you know, we'll see what happens as the year goes. But uh, Cedric Mullins, for sure, is definitely like one of the captains of the team. And for the Orioles, you know, they want to keep as much talent as they can. Uh, really for as cheap as they can. It's no secret they have one of the cheapest rosters in baseball. And um, even with this offseason, they, be- they haven't been very busy, you know. So we'll see what happens as the year goes on because other teams in the AL East have gotten better this offseason. So we'll see what the Orioles do. They still got a lot of great talent, still have the best farm system in baseball. 
Um, but keeping those veterans through arbitration was definitely key. Do you think, you know, Craig Kimbrell signs, he's the, the de facto closer, or does Yenier Cano give him a little bit of a run for his money? No, I think it's it's, it's going to be Kimbrell. Um, um, GM Michael Elias had pretty much said that once they signed him, you know, that he was going to be the, the closer. They tried Yenier Cano out at closer last year, and, you know, it wasn't great for him. I thought Cano had a pretty good year all in all, um, but he's best suited for, for that setup role, I think, and Look, losing Felix Batista is a huge loss. Yeah. It's a huge loss. He's arguably the best closer in baseball last year. Uh, so I, I think, you know, I don't think they're looking for Craig Kimball to be him. Craig Kimball, who had a solid year last year, kind of faded on the back end and definitely in the postseason. But um, I think for this Orioles team, with as well as they play defense with the ballpark dynamics, um, I, I think it's a good signing. Any chance Felix Bautista uh, comes back at the end of the year? It doesn't sound like it. Uh, they, they're very conservative when it comes to bringing back some of their key guys. So I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily bank on it. It'd be a huge shock to me. I will say that. Um, but to, their, to that point, they really did try to give it a go to see if he could give them something in the postseason. I remember that week leading up to the divisional series, um, Batista was really out there trying. Mm-hmm. And it came it came down to the wire, but ultimately, obviously, he didn't go. I, I think they'll really take their time and, and let him fully heal up to, to possibly get back to the mo- the monster that he was. <laughs> hey, Cordell, uh, thanks for your time uh, this morning and shedding some light a little bit on the Orioles, but to tee up uh, this weekend's game between the Ravens and Texans. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. That's Cordell Woodland from 105.7. The fan covers the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens and Texans kick things off. 2.30, Duke, on Saturday. Sounds right. And what are you doing Saturday? You going to the farm? I, you know what? I would I would just wish your dad would phone you and say, Duke, you're coming <laughs> out. You. You're working from two, just from 2.30 to 6.30. That's it. <laughs> I think I'm going to try and get, to, you know, have try and have my cake and eat it too. So I'm going down Friday night to do the broadcast for the Senior Outlaws game. And then I, I think I'm going to tell my sister that Saturday morning until about noon, I'm available to give her a hand, uh, tagging mm. some calves and stuff. Then I'll hop in the pickup. Race back here to the uh, nice you confines of my that. home. You can't chance that. Well, it's, worst case, I can just listen to it on the, uh, the you drive. Don't, no, 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 Duke. This is this is could be. This like, could be it. I mean, <laughs> they get to the final four with an upset win here. <laughs> Holy smokes, Duke! I want to know what the senior outlaws game is. <laughs> That's uh, the senior eight. Not really. Senior no, no, you don't. <laughs> you, you tell, tell you what, Slimer. I'll send you the link. You can you can watch it on Friday night. Uh, we stream it, and uh, yours truly on the play by play. So full broadcast. Oh, it's a big deal. <laughs> Love it. Uh, we're going up against the uh, Stetler Imperials. Ooh, Rival wow. rivalry game. Tune in, everybody. <laughs> Slimer and I might be making a road trip. I highly doubt it. Uh, <laughs> We're going to go, uh, are you in or are you out after the break? But before that, here's the Duke with the Ski Report. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your Ski Report for Wednesday, January 17th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. A reprieve in the extreme cold weather is good news for skiers and snowboarders this week. Lifts are no longer closed and resort opening times aren't getting delayed due to the cold. While there wasn't much snow falling anywhere during the extremely cold days, the snow is coming. Now the warming trend is here. In Jasper, Marmot Basin, they received 9 centimeters of fresh snow in the last 24 hours. Still not 
not quite enough to get the new knob, quad chair, or the Eagle East area open. But down in Banff, sunshine received three centimeters in the last 24 hours, while Norquay and Lake Louise both received four centimeters in the past day. Nakiska, five centimeters overnight. Castle Mountain was seven. And over into BC, Fernie has seven centimeters fresh in the last 24 hours. Kimberly with three, Panorama four over the past seven days. Into the interior, BC Silver Star had five centimeters overnight. Big White with nine, Sun Peak seven centimeters in the last day, and Apex Alpine has had five centimeters in the last 12 hours alone. Kicking Horse, six centimeters overnight in Revelstoke with nine. Around Edmonton, the cold snap allowed for plenty of snowmaking, and the bit of fresh snow we received from Mother Nature has the local slopes in great shape. Overall, at the mountain resorts, there's still some marginal conditions off the main runs, but you should be able to find some soft conditions without having to look too hard. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report. Wait for it, Duke. Wait for it. (laughs) I think our listeners have really enjoyed Queen this morning. Uh, it was quite the feedback, yeah. Yeah, Beer Man. This was his favorite one, I think. Beer Man's a regular contributor. Um, a lot of great Queen songs. And isn't that something that you would put Queen in? Are you in or are you out? <laughs> I was inspired. I was inspired today. All right, here's another edition of Are You In or Are You Out? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. Together a team, then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. Wednesday edition of In or Out. We'll start with the Oilers game last night, an electric atmosphere down at Rogers Place. Uh, and no matter what the broadcast or the in arena announcers <laughs> told us at the end of the game, Stuart Skinner was the game's first star last night. You want to take this one first, Kev? Well, yeah, I'm 100% in on this one. We're going to have to talk to Louis and see what uh, if Louis <laughs> did the pick last night. I mean, right. I don't know what's going on, Big Lou. But yes, Stuart Skinner was the reason that the Oilers were... Uh, victors last night the main reason in my opinion so uh, uh, he's just been remarkable now his save percentage is you know it took him like we're talking 40 games here that's how low it was you know it was in the 700s might have been in the 600s so now he's over 900 goals against what 261 or something like that He's playing great. Uh, His I believe what is he 15 and 2 in his last 17 games Thank you. Not bad so uh, (laughs) Number one star, Stu Skinner last night. Yeah, hard to argue with you there, Kev. I'm in on that one. Uh, I'll give Ryan McLeod honorable mention. I thought he had a great game and got rewarded in the third period with a goal and an assist. But uh, it all starts between the pipes, and I thought Stu was great last night. So I'm in. Sometimes when you're doing the stars, too, and I think so Ryan McLeod was the first star. And again, it's just stars. But Derek Ryan was also a star. And sometimes when a, a player... Uh, a role player like Derek Ryan comes up with a big goal in a big game. Yep. You kind of go, yeah, you know what? Let's throw him in there. Let's throw him in there. Who picks the stars? Well, we the talked media? about this. Like, I don't know. Like, nothing. how about the game in Montreal? <laughs> the game in Montreal, I think the, there were, the first star was a Canadian, second star was a Canadian, and the third star was an Oiler, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it depends what building yep. you're in. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Louis can pull back the curtain a little bit on that and see, because mm-hmm. Kevin thinks it is Louis picks them. Well, at least for the uh, not all the time, but I, I we'll see who picked them last night. We'll all see. Right, we'll find out in a we'll bit. We'll see. Uh, Edmonton Oilers currently, of course, on their 11-game winning streak. Six of those wins have come since the calendar turned to 2024 here in the month of January. I'm saying they can go undefeated for the entire month with five more games on the schedule before we roll into the all, uh, all-star break, starting with the Kraken tomorrow night. Well, Duke, <laughs> I hate to be well, the pessimist. Yes. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to be out on this one. I think 11's been a hell of a run already. If they run it to 16, hey, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I just I don't see it happening. Record 17? Sure. I believe I think well yeah I think the record seventeen a, by Pittsburgh yeah I think the back in the day Philadelphia went thirty five without a loss really seventy nine eighty somewhere in there that's, with ties. that's a lot yeah, yeah ties and yeah. whatever uh, I'm out on this one too and I'll tell you I have a bad a bad feeling about tomorrow night with Seattle yeah even though uh, here's the only thing Seattle's coming all the way from New York today because they played back to back so this will be their third and fourth nights I shouldn't say this so maybe I'm going to ease off it a bit but, <laughs> but again three and four right three and four nights but Seattle and the Oilers are coming off such a high and you know how it is Schlemmer you come off such a big high you're, you're not going to win all these games you're not winning the rest of the year the Calgary game is Calgary's playing well right now coming yep. from behind but I'm going to be I'm out on this one just because that would be that's 17. That ties the NHL record if they run, run the table. It's, when you look at the schedule, yes, the Kraken uh, tomorrow, they've uh, been on a good run but lost a couple in a row. The Flames, mm-hmm. uh, they've been playing a little bit of better hockey lately. But then the Blue Jackets, Blackhawks, and even the Predators, who have kind of been sitting in that mushy middle the majority of this season, mm-hmm. those are obviously all very winnable games. Uh, all through, all of those teams sit below the Oilers in the standings. Having said that, Duke, in December when we were doing the shows, uh, going into the New Year and over Christmas, you and I were the only ones here working. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we did say, we looked at the schedule, and I, I remember saying, they could win every game. The yeah. schedule is set up for them to win every game in January. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Hey, every Seattle's, game's winnable. <laughs> I know, but the way the schedule's set up. Seattle ran off nine in a row before losing yeah. two straight here. They're doing something right. So something came to an end for them. Maybe they get back on track. But that's a tough trip from all the way from New York, playing back-to-back. Islanders, Rangers travel all day today. Yeah, it is tough. You know, so hey, I mean, all, every game is winnable for the Oilers. It's just it's tough to do every night. I mean, mm-hmm. there could be a bounce or an injury. Or, yeah, exactly. Moving on to number three, the uh, losing side of last night's fair was the Toronto Maple Leafs blowing a lead for a third straight game, which was also their third straight loss. I'm saying, uh, come springtime, I. I'm not sure I'm on the same page as you, Kevin, because I do think the Leafs will still make the playoffs, but it will end as the same as it has uh, at best in 19 of the last 20 years with a first-round playoff exit. You want to go first, Schlemmer? Or I, I, I'll yeah, you go got first. it. Again, I'm still in the boat where I'm not sure that the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. I really <laughs> Could you imagine what will happen in Toronto if the, if the Maple Leafs riot. don't make the playoffs? This all falls on, and again, this is on Detroit. If Detroit can get its act together, but, you know, Patrick Kane's out right now. Yeah. If Detroit, because Detroit's the team that has to make a push here, I think Tampa Bay is going to get in. Yeah. So, and these two teams are just one point behind the Leafs right now. And Pittsburgh's there and Washington's there. Islanders are there and so are Jersey. It's going to be a dogfight. It, it is going to be an absolute dogfight. So, I, I, I can't see Toronto beating Florida in the first round. I just can't see it. And that's 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 hoping that Florida doesn't catch Boston for first. 
Yeah. And that's assuming that the Leafs finish in, in the in top the third three. Spot, in yeah. the third spot. So You're out. Yeah, I'm out. I, I just, well, I'm in on it. I They will fail. In. I'm in, in on it. They Sorry, will fail to advance past the first round. Man. I am also 100% in on this, Duke. Boy. Love it. There's nothing um, wrong with being a Leaf hater either. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, it's just like the Cowboys on the weekend, you know? The rest <laughs> of the country would be so happy to see this. I mean, there's Leafs fans all over. I get that. But uh, I, I'm with Kevin on this. I don't see them beating Boston in a best of seven. I don't see them beating Florida. And I just can't wait to see all the Leafs fans crying, especially after they dished out all this money to Nylander, Ooh. and it's still not going to work. And I mean, like, even if they fall to the, one of the wild card spots, they're then opponents would be either A, Boston or Florida, whoever um, sits atop the division, or alternatively, um, likely the New York Rangers, who uh, I don't think that's a very good no, matchup yeah, for the Leafs. Uh, fair any better better. Either, so <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a pretty outlook for the Leafs fans last night, and there was a lot of them trudging out of Rogers Place last <laughs> night with pretty sad looks on their faces, including the big Sebolia. The Cibolia. big yeah. <laughs> There's going to be four or five great teams that are gone after the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why it's the best first round out of any sport, right? Oh, by far. Uh, shifting over to the NFL, we just chatted with uh, Cordell Woodland from Baltimore about this weekend's Texans-Baltimore game. Let's just assume the Texans can pull off an upset here and maybe the Buccaneers capable of doing the same on Sunday. If the Bucks and the Texans were to be the two teams to advance all the way to the Super Bowl, I'm saying it would draw the lowest viewership of any possible combination. Now, I'm not just saying the teams left in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm saying across the entire NFL of a possible team from the NFC and AFC in the Super Bowl. Oh. <laughs> these are two teams, like the only one I could possibly think of sliding in would maybe be Connor Halley's Chargers because these are two teams that honestly nobody cares about. <laughs> yeah. Well, besides their own market and but, you, you care about But them. even still in Texas, how many Cowboys fans do you think are there in the city of Houston and surrounding area Zero. compared to Texans fans. This is yeah. true. I, I'm I'm trying to think of a worse matchup but here. I, but don't you think, like, uh, I'm looking at it from a Tampa Bay perspective. I've gone to a game in Tampa Bay, enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Sat in the kids' non-alcoholic section, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> the baker says, I got these great tickets. That's they, yeah, all these are great tickets, and we get in there. Well, now you can't even take booze in there. After, <laughs> no, after your after your previous night out on the town in Tampa, that's the only way they let you in the building. Be like, yeah, excuse me, sir, we let's let you out of the tank, but you have to sit in this section of the stadium. Yeah. Dry so, out. But having said that, Tampa Bay, they've got a good fall. I mean, they win the, the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. So, I mean, I... I, I I don't even know how to answer. Almost this. every team so, but, has a great individual fan base. Like that's that's not up for discussion. Like every team can fill their stadium if the team's good. Like that's easy. But I'm just on, on like on the national scale, outside of their individual markets, so few people care about these two teams. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I'll there. agree with it I'm, with I'm you, Duke, just to, to make Duke happy this morning. <laughs> I'm going in too. I, I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, Brady's gone. You're talking about viewership, right? So yeah. like TV. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in with you. Like dude. the only the only redeeming fact, like for let's just say the Texan side of it, is that of course C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback, going to the Super Bowl. Like that that has some allure and some draw. Yeah. But even still, like they're the Texans. They're a relatively new team in the league, and and the Buccaneers. I mean, they might be at the bottom of the. To- they might be only above the Panthers in terms yeah. of actual like relevance night uh, league wide in the NFL. Jacksonville's no screaming hell either. 
except, dude, but, yeah, if, but, except dude, when you play overseas. Dude, yeah, people in London <laughs> love the Jags. That, they, yeah, American viewership would be down if the Jags yeah. win the Super Bowl, but it would skyrocket across Europe as the uh, yeah. Duval County heads, yeah. uh, heads international. So uh, mm-hmm. last one, the band Queen, been a hot topic of discussion since we started the show with uh, uh, another one bites the dust when we had DVD on. Um, I think that the, albeit unfortunate and way too early, the death of Freddie Mercury and the then kind of ending of the band Queen at an early stage actually makes its legacy and uh, long-term impact on music stronger than if they'd uh, continued making music into their later years. This is a tough one again. That is tough. It's, uh, only because it's like uh, an artist. As soon as the guy dies, the painter, you know, yeah. everything increases. And he's such a great artist. But, you know, when Jackson Pollock was alive, no one even cared about his work. Well, not no one, but very few people cared about Fair. his work. Very few. And, you know, I, I just think that, just think about how many more great songs that he could have written, how many more great songs the band could have recorded. Maybe so, it would have burnt out. That's what I mean. Like, no. what, what if what if he ran, and what if he just started writing really bad songs, and all of a sudden no, you tarnish, no, no, no. tarnish your legacy by trotting out some, like, three or four dog water albums at the end of your career? So, like... The main reason the Beatles split up, right? What is it? Yoko, Yoko Ono? Ono? No, it's not Yoko Ono. What? No. <laughs> the reason you walked the, right into that that's, one. That's, eh? that's, that's, that's not what no. people tell me. The reason the Beatles split up, and this is a different thing too, but the Beatles split up because of uh, you know how how they're they're they weren't making any money off of anything. They had to split up for the band for the songs to the recordings to make money. No. So that's kind of what happened there. One of the reasons. Okay. And, and anyway, I just see that I think that if Queen would have been together and stayed together and it, uh, Freddie Mercury would have you know been alive for another 15 20 years, who like they were they were the biggest the biggest draw, the most talked about concert part of Live Aid. Their 12 or 15 minute segment. Yeah. That's how big they were. So you're... I'm out, I'm out on this one. I'm going to say that the early out. death uh, benefited. I'm going to say if had he not passed away, Queen would have been even bigger. Okay. Yeah, I'm... Ugh, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to say out just because I think Queen had such a unique style of music that it didn't. he didn't need to die. For them to benefit. <laughs> the way Duke words these, it's hard, man. The guy's been dead for what? How many years? And be, and that's why I feel comfortable yeah. saying it because yeah. it's not like he died, uh, you know, this year or anything. But I, like I'll be honest, I have similar opinions about the likes of like Tupac, Biggie, uh, Nirvana. Like no, those we, guys we, are, would we, still be pumping We look them out. back more fondly on this music because we didn't get more of it. That's a mm-hmm. fair point. Dude. Like it's it's you know it's like the taken away too soon and you kind of put it on a pedestal a little bit. And I'm not saying these guys like they all Queen all these things I just listed. Their music was terrific. They're some of the uh, you know most talented people that that have ever lived. But if they did not die so young and kept making it, it kind of dilutes it. And who knows? Maybe they trot uh, out, they trot out three more records that all are just as good as the first, however many. But maybe not. No, I, I think it's <laughs> I think <laughs> I think your painter, your painter uh, that, metaphor. I think that puts that it works. perfectly. Okay. Again, that's why we're in. Our, it's not on the fence, right? Yeah. Pick a Gotta side. Make a decision. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> another another solid stable of in or out. Uh, thanks, Duke. Uh, top of the hour, we'll have some open text line. 
and we will uh, some good ones coming in and again now what we're talking about here with two pack of what <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, Queen also had a killer yes there. yes uh, some great Queen uh, text coming in uh, before all that time now for a sports 1440 update brought to you by Tommy Guns home of the ultimate grooming experience and our hot towel shaves awesome haircuts and treatments were designed for you. You can book now at TommyGuns.com. Here is the Duke.